Welcome to the Martinskirk Podcast, a publication of sermons and lessons from Trinity Reformed Church of Martinsburg. Trinity Reformed exists to declare the victory of Jesus Christ through worship and practice to the ends of the earth. To learn more about our congregation, visit martinskirk.com. Now we're almost done with our series on the church and the church's role in society. Um, This morning will be on the church and her wealth, how we're to use and steward God's wealth effectively and responsibly. So the sermon text this morning comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19. Let us read that and then we'll pray. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, have mercy on us this morning. Grant us ears to hear your word. Grant us hearts to put it to use. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our nearest kinsman. Amen. So brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus has blessed us immensely. Not not only over the course of the last three years as a church but also the course of our whole life. He has brought us out of darkness into His marvelous light. The depths of the riches of God surpass all earthly wealth. He has given us much to be thankful for. He has given us the promise of everlasting life, newness of life in His Son, Jesus Christ. He has given us the promise of the glorification of both our bodies and our souls in Christ. We have an abundance of wealth in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this inheritance that we possess in Jesus is kept in heaven for us. It's kept away from us to be not corrupted with sin. It cannot pass away. It cannot be stolen. It's kept in heaven for us in Jesus Christ. It's kept safe. But what of our earthly possessions? What of our earthly possessions? What of our wealth that we accumulate in the world? Is it of any value? Now we often think, of course, it has value. It has economic value. It has personal value. And the scriptures say a lot about wealth. A lot about worldly wealth. Solomon, in our sermon passage this morning, says that riches and wealth are a gift of God. To be used for our good and our joy. We're to enjoy them. To enjoy these good gifts. And that flies in the face of the rhetoric that comes from our culture. Our world views wealth or uh, money, is usually how they describe wealth, as power or just happiness. And it's true that wealth and riches are powerful tools. That's true. Men can gain high-ranking offices in government by writing off a check. Men can buy corporations, can sway public opinion, can move political movements with the stroke of a pen. But the scriptures don't define wealth as just money. Nor does the Bible advocate for the selfish use of wealth. Wealth is earthly blessing from God, and it can include money, it can include belongings, 
technology. It can even include children as well. Even wisdom and holiness. And all of this, our God says, is His gift to us. To those whom He chooses. And that means that it is to be used for His purposes. And not our selfish lusts or our ambitions. It also means that earthly wealth can vanish at any moment. It's uncertain. And we must be okay with that. Recently in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, a a dear brother had experienced a horrible catastrophe. His uh, dam near his house had bursted. And as a result, his house was filled with over six feet of water. And he lost literally almost everything in an instant. He was homeless, possessionless. He's become severely burdened monetarily. And it happened instantly. He didn't see it coming. There was no warning. It just happened. Now he thankfully has a support network in his church and his presbytery. He's able to to help him sort of through those issues. But he'll never be able to get back to normal. He'll never be able to get back to normal. And as Christians... We can take this kind of situation a couple of ways. One, we could view it as a sort of end of the world. And we could despair that God has taken all of these possessions from us. All of our wealth. Or, we could not put our hope in earthly things. And trust in the one from whom all blessings flow. Those are two options for you. And while we have wealth, the iPhone in your pocket... The number on your bank statement, the house you live in, the car you drive. While we have those things, we are to be thankful for those things. We are to enjoy them with gratitude as true blessings of God. And live our lives with the knowledge of knowing that God can take those things at any moment. He can take them at any moment. And this means that our possessions and our blessings are not just for us to enjoy but for the whole world to enjoy it as well. We invite others to enjoy in our blessings, to be thankful even when the Lord chooses to remove them. All blessings come from the Blessed One. Now, of course, there are principles in Scripture that show us how to increase our wealth. We see that in the book of, all throughout the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11 says, Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished. But he who gathers by labor will increase. Or Proverbs chapter 22 verse 29 says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. So blessing comes to those who work diligently. This is how God made the world. And he chooses to bless humanity through hard work. The world has picked up on this bit. They've kind of excelled at this aspect. If you work really hard, you'll get something. As a general principle, this works in our world. Bill Gates, for example, remarked about this in his early years at Microsoft. He said, quote, I didn't believe in weekends. I didn't believe in vacations. I mean, I knew everybody's license plate, so I could tell you over the last month when their car had come and gone from the parking lot, end quote. So think about that. That's not exactly how we're supposed to work. We're not supposed to be obsessed in that manner. But non-Christian businessmen know that it takes sacrifice. It takes hard work, maybe a little bit of an obsession, to achieve what they want to achieve. 
And again, this isn't the way that Christians should work. They shouldn't be obsessed uh, to the point of memorizing license plates in the parking lot. But it does show that there is a principle that applies across the board. This is how God created the world. Work hard, and you will most likely be blessed with some sort of wealth. And yet, we know that wealth comes from God and can be taken at any moment. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So earthly riches, earthly riches, though a gift from God, are uncertain. They're uncertain. They can leave us at any moment. How many times have you heard of somebody who invests a bunch in a company on the stock market and the market collapses or the, the business tanks and they lose everything in an instant? It can happen at any time. It happens all the time. How many times have we heard of families who didn't steward their, their money well and all of a sudden the catastrophe hits and they don't have what they need For that issue. We hear it all the time. Even for men like Job who are faithful. Men like Job. Who were loving the Lord. Living their lives according to his standards. And yet. The Lord took all his possessions. Away from him. Wealth is a gift of God. Lest any man should boast. Solomon says that God grants. Riches and wealth. The power to eat of it. To taste of it. And to enjoy it. And yet it could be gone tomorrow. And the church is not to put her trust in earthly riches and wealth. But to enjoy them as the good fleeting gifts that they are. So what does this say about wealth? What does that mean of earthly wealth? Well, like most earthly things, worldly wealth is a shadow of a truer reality. It's a shadow of a truer reality. Worldly riches are a shadow of the true riches of wisdom and righteousness found in the King of Kings. Lady Wisdom says in Proverbs chapter 8, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. So clinging to lady wisdom here brings wealth, and wealth that is better than earthly wealth. Wealth that doesn't pass away, it endures. Enduring riches, righteousness, choicer than silver. The true wealth is not the number on your bank account. The true wealth is the righteousness and wisdom of the man himself. This doesn't discount the blessings of earthly wealth, but it does show us that earthly wealth, earthly riches, aren't a blessing to the world in a lasting manner without a righteous man or woman behind it. Earthly wealth is a shadow of a future reality. And that reality could be a blessing in Christ Jesus. Or it could be your own judgment. Moses says in Deuteronomy 8, starting in verse 18, And you shall remember the Lord your God, 
For it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God, and follow other gods, and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. So it could be a blessing pointing to the blessings of Christ and His covenant with us, or it could be uh, damnation even. Moses is reminding Israel that the Lord God is the one who gives them their wealth, but it will profit them nothing without their faith in Yahweh and keeping His covenant. The psalmist says elsewhere that you cannot take your riches with you after death or in death. We've heard that you can't bring a U-Haul to heaven. It's that sort of mentality. You can't bring your earthly possessions with you. What does endure are the riches of wisdom and righteousness. Jesus says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? True wealth is found in a righteous and holy life. True wealth is found in a struggling family who sings with joy to the Lord over a cheap spaghetti dinner. True wealth is found in the generous heart of a rich man who takes care of those in need around him. True wealth is found in a hard-working, blue-collar family that stewards their money well and enjoys it. Enjoys it with themselves and one another. True wealth is not in the riches themselves, but in righteousness and honor and wisdom. Now, there are real earthly riches. Your money, the technology that we have, that puts us in touch with vast amounts of knowledge, that's wealth. Your food and belongings, your house, your car, all of those things are obvious. And even though they are pictures of a more important reality, they are also to be a real blessing to our lives right now. It's, it isn't wrong to have a big house. It's not wrong to have a lot of money. That's not wrong. That's not a sin. Those can be real great blessings. And as one commentator put it, wealth is not necessarily the mark of a compulsive, vain lifestyle. Wealth is devalued when it is employed as a means. Its luster shines brightly, however, when it is enjoyed in gratitude for its own sake and shared. End quote. So wealth is a blessing to be enjoyed and shared with God's people in the world around us. So use what God has given you to bless your family. Use what God has given you to bless your neighbors. That's why He has given it to you. Having a lot of money isn't a sin. Greed is a sin. Selfish ambition is a sin. But money is not. Earthly wealth is to be used towards righteousness, towards wisdom and honor and goodness. Because riches and wealth are a gift of God, and because He can take them away at any moment, how we use money should be judged by God's standards. Now, of course, He can and does take wealth away from good stewards. We saw that with Job. But how we use our money matters to God. And he has often reduced selfish men to poverty because of their unrighteous use of money. In Proverbs chapter 22, again, 
Solomon says, He who oppresses the poor to increase his riches, and he who gives to the rich, will surely come to poverty. Those who abuse the poor to obtain riches, to obtain more power over them, will be reduced to poverty. God gives grace to the humble, and he opposes the proud. Or else we are in Proverbs chapter 11. He says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. So the Lord honors those who use their wealth well. He honors those who use their wealth well, who honor the Lord with their good gifts. Now, have you ever thought why we we pass the plate on a Sunday morning? A lot of people think, well, that's just what we do. A church has to function, and so we need money. So we pass it around and we give an offering. But why, why don't we do that during the week? Why don't we just send a PayPal to the church website during the week? Why, why don't we just send a check in the mail? Why is it that we put it in a, in a plate and give it as an offering to God on Sunday? One of the reasons we tithe on the Lord's Day is because we offer our lives, our whole lives, to God as living sacrifices. We offer not just our lives to the service of God, but we offer a portion of the blessings that He gives us back to Him. We live real lives. We work real jobs. We make real money. We make real food. We work and provide for our families. And part of that work is to be given back to God as not only an offering of our life's work, but as an acknowledgement that all that we have belongs to Him. So, we give it back to Him. We give it back to Him in hopes that He would use it for the advancement of His kingdom. Not just our own personal advancement, but the advancement of His church on earth. We sing the, uh, that portion in Ecclesiastes, I believe it's chapter 11, for the offertory, every week. And we sing, cast thy breads upon the waters. That's what you are doing when you put money in the offering plate. You are casting your bread, you're casting your work on the waters and hoping that it will return sevenfold. It is an act of humility and a recognition of who gives us all good things. It's an act of faith that the Lord will guide his church to steward those resources for the good of the world. And when we look through the scriptures, we see the same personal imperatives to be good stewards of your money applied broadly to the church. James, in the book of James, rebukes his church for dishonoring the poor. In James chapter 2. Paul, in his letters to the Corinthians, rebukes the rich for excluding the poor from the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians 11. Jesus rebukes the rich young ruler publicly. And he did it for a reason. And he told him to sell all his possessions and follow him. Not because he was rich. Not because he was part of the 1% or whatever you want to call it. It wasn't that. It wasn't that he was rich. It was that he was greedy. The, the, one, the one commandment that he did not keep, that wasn't mentioned in that passage, is the command to covet. Or to not covet. And he was coveting. That was the sin. The church of Jesus Christ should know that the wealth it receives is a gift of God to be used for those less fortunate. 
So if we see someone in the church, not just our local church, but the broader church, the Catholic church, if we see somebody in the church who is struggling, who's going through an affliction, a misfortune, it is the church's job to help them, to come to their aid. The blessings of wealth are meant to uplift those who are suffering. To uplift those who are suffering. Help those who are less fortunate, because that is what your wealth is for. The earthly wealth of the church should be used on those who are in earthly need. Works of mercy are a necessary ministry of the church. And this could look differently for each person. I know at Trinity we, we're looking for ways to help those in need. We, I know it, uh, when we sit on Elder Peter's stoop during the week, we come in contact with a lot of people. A lot of people addicted to drugs. Some homeless. Some meandering the streets downtown looking for something to do. And we've talked about putting these, some of these people through drug rehab programs or things of that nature. But those are the things that you should be looking for if you are able to see it. Our earthly riches are meant to bless those who can't bless themselves. They are to be used to give grace to the humble around us. And you may not see any of these particular drug addicts or homeless or those less fortunate or in poverty. You may not see those opportunities around you, and that's okay. We all, we all have our own spheres of influence. You don't have to go down on the street and find somebody to give money to. That's not the point. It is your job as a Christian to be ready and willing to offer up your wealth and your goods and your gifts to those who need it. You should be ready and willing to offer up your tithes to God in faith that the church will use it for the advancement of the kingdom. You don't have to see every need. You just have to be willing to give your wealth when it is necessary to give it. But there's also another way that the church should use wealth. And that's a little bit differently. It's not just giving it and giving it and giving it. It's also celebrating and feasting. We need to hang out with each other. We need to share foods and drinks and homes and friends. Vocations, even skills, for the glory of God and the edification of His body. We need to feast. He has given His people earthly wealth to enjoy. It's okay to enjoy it. You have permission from God to enjoy your good gifts. There were far more feasts in the Old Covenant than there were fasts. And this is by design. When Moses was pleading with Pharaoh to let Israel go into the wilderness to worship, what was his words? What were the words that he used? He said, so that they can feast with the Lord in the wilderness. Our worship is centered around feasting, and so should our lives. The wealth that we get should be spent toward feasting with one another and with the Lord. Feasting is a big part of the Christian life. We need to be known as a people who can enjoy the good gifts that God gives us. We need to be known for parties and celebrations, for singing and for eating and drinking. We should laugh, eat, drink, play, enjoy life together. That's a command of God. Wealth can be fleeting. This is, this is true. 
But that is all the more reason to celebrate the goodness of God when he gives it to us. There is no greater witness in a sin-ridden world than to take joy in the good gifts of God and to also enjoy in letting those gifts go for the sake of others. Either by giving them to the less fortunate in charity or having them taken away by God in providence. There's no greater gift to the world than showing them joy in abundance and joy in poverty. It is prudent and right to manage your money well for the future. God didn't didn't give you earthly wealth to establish some kingdom to give you security. But there is some security in wealth. And it's not wrong to amass it and to accumulate it in order to protect your family and those around you. That's good and right to do so. Planning for the worst is good. Saving for your children is good. But it is vain to put your trust in that uncertain security. It is vain to put your trust in that security. Wisdom and righteousness, heavenly wealth, is more precious than gold or silver. And this means that we should not despise our earthly wealth, but use it with open hands, being ready and willing to give it all up for the sake of Christ and His kingdom. So do not put your hope in earthly riches. Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 18, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his own esteem. And those high walls in his own esteem can crumble at any moment. After all, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Therefore, use your wealth, use your money, your skills, your possessions, your time. Use it up. Use your wealth for the sake of those around you. The Lord honors those who give to the work of His kingdom. And it doesn't matter to Jesus that the widow in Mark chapter 12 who gave two mites. It doesn't matter that the widow gave only two mites. What mattered were the true riches and wealth she displayed in her trust toward God. Displayed in her wisdom and in her righteousness. That is the true richness, the true goodness, the true security. Those riches never fade. They never pass away. So use your earthly wealth to feast, to laugh, to enjoy the good things that God gives us. Do not put your trust in those riches, but be ready to give it all for the sake of others. Put your wealth to good use, and God will give you all that you desire, wisdom, righteousness, goodness, and peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.